0: Well, after two years of closed borders, Australians have been back in the air again this year, despite some of the delays, of course. We've talked about that a lot here on RN Drive. we of course, farewelled five-kilometre travel limits and said goodbye to our COVID bubbles and hello to Bali. Of course, travel you know, hasn't been without those hiccups I mentioned, flight delays. You had short-staffed airports, lots of missing baggage at one point. But if you thought Qantas executives doubling as baggage handlers was bizarre. Strap in for this one. Forty countries are petitioning the UN's International Civil Aviation Body to allow just one pilot on deck with a takeoff date of 2027. And if you're raising your eyebrows as a potential passenger, perhaps with some safety concerns, you're not alone. Australian pilots have been coming out slamming the proposal as unsafe. Mark Hoffmeyer is the Vice President of the Australian and International Pilots Association. I hope you're not on hands-free right now, Mark.
1: Uh, No, I have both hands on the wheel, Andy. Good to be with you.
0: And feet on the ground. Good to hear. What are the current rules for the number of qualified pilots per flight? Let's start with that.
1: Uh, Yeah, so the minimum number of pilots you need on an aircraft at the moment is two. Uh, That will increase depending on the length of the flight. So, for example, if um, a couple of pilots are doing a domestics day where they might, say, fly from Sydney to Brisbane, Brisbane to Adelaide, Adelaide back to um, Sydney, you can have two pilots on that. It's it's a function of basically your flight and duty times. If you then start moving up to, say, flights where you might go from, say, Sydney to Honolulu, then you need three pilots uh, because to allow for some rest. And then if you go up to what I used to do, Um, which was the Perth to London flying, you have four crew uh, so that basically there will be two of you on the flight deck at all times and then the other two go into the bunk. So you can then, you've always got two well-trained and well-rested pilots on the flight deck at all times. So
0: while we understand the need for more than two pilots for those extremely long haul flights, this one pilot push is coming from 40 countries most strongly. I think they are mainly talking about domestic flights. So who are the, Th- these countries, what, what, why are they advocating so strongly for this change?
1: Look, I think there's a few countries such as Germany, the UK and New Zealand. I think at the moment Australia, our Civil Aviation Safety Authority, CASA, is currently sitting on the fence. Um, but look, there's a couple of reasons. I think one of them is in certain countries, they're having issues with pilot shortages. Um, I think the profession has been sort of disrespected and undervalued over many years now. And basically, it's not quite the attractive proposition that it was, say, for example, when I got into it in the mid-1990s. Um, but I think that the notion of trying to solve that problem by reducing the number of pilots on a flight deck is the wrong way to go about it.
0: So this argument about it being cost-cutting might be a bit of a misnomer because certainly some of these countries, they can't find the pilots to staff these flights in the first place. So is it about a lack of a pathway or a training pathway in these countries to create the pilots of tomorrow?
1: Look, I think it's a combination of both. That would be part of it. But let's face it, any airline is always looking for ways to save money. Um, and look, you know, the thing for us is that When you get on an aeroplane, it has redundancy. It has two engines. It has multiple electrical systems, multiple hydraulic systems, multiple navigation systems. Equally, you need two pilots for redundancy. you know, there's a bit of a misnomer often that people think that the autopilot on an aircraft is sort of this, this artificial intelligence wonderkin, when in fact it's really just a fancy cruise control. At the end of the day, the pilots are the ones that make the decisions to fly around the thunderstorm or to divert to an airport in a hurry because of a heart attack. So I think, you know, the old saying, two heads is better than one. Um, and the notion that you've got two pilots working together is a team. Uh, using the automatics to help them is really where we need to stay, and I wouldn't be putting my family on a plane that had less or that had one pilot flying it.
0: For their part, uh, manufacturers such as Boeing and Airbus say that their planes do have the capacity to facilitate single pilot flights. Uh, they they say that the technology is up to scratch. H- how do you respond to that?
1: Uh, look, I don't doubt that as part of any promotional aspect, they're always going to talk up their their product. Um, I think it's interesting I caught up with a few of my pilot colleagues on the weekend and we were sort of chewing this around and we kept coming up with what if this one, what if this example, what if this. There are so many what if scenarios that um, I just don't think a computer can solve that for you yet. You still need two well-trained, well-rested pilots on a flight deck um, to ensure that the safety of the aircraft
0: Qantas pilot Mark Hoffmeyer is here. We're talking about the international push for one-pilot flights or one-pilot cockpits on RN Drive. you with Andy Park. And certainly there is, while this push seems to be afoot, why aren't many international airlines and regulators on board because there is the commercial aspect of this there is the staffing aspect but there's also the sort of infrastructure or network aspect for regulators they're seemingly interested in this proposal as much as as anyone
1: yeah, look, look, I'm not exactly sure about the whole push from the political perspective. Um, I think that that's always a part of it. But I just think that from a from a pilot perspective, you know, we just, we're just we always looking at it from a safety perspective. I mean, look, and I think it's interesting, you know, I'll be curious to see what your uh, listeners say on your text line, but I've seen some polls around there which are running at about 97% of people saying they wouldn't get on this sort of aeroplane. So if you've got a, an A330 with 300 seats, Well, 3% represents about nine people. So I'm pretty sure that economics is actually going to drive this because if nine people are prepared to sit behind one pilot, that's not really going to pay the bills.
0: Well, one question on the text line is about what medicals you have to undergo as a pilot these days. I think the average age of an Australian pilot's sort of in the low 40s. So what actually do you have to do to prove you're uh, able to fly these days?
1: Yeah, so look, we have to hold what's called a class one medical. So we do that annually. As you get older, I think above 60, it turns into you have to do it every six months. Um, And then each year, depending on what age you are. um, So I'm happy to confess, I just turned 48 recently. And uh, as part of that one, I was required. We do an ECG. Other points, you also do blood tests, you do hearing tests, you do sight tests. Um, there's a big questionnaire we fill out on the CASA website as part of our medical as well. So th- th- there's a, a pretty regimented process with that. Um, so And look, and this is one of the things is, you know, healthy people can have a heart attack without realising. The notion that you could have one pilot up the front who suddenly has a heart attack, I'm not quite sure how that how you then get the aircraft on the ground. The other really simple one is what do you do if the pilot has to go to the toilet? so there's a and you know one of the things for us is even on these really really long flights we do um there is always at least one pilot sitting in a control seat just in case the automation doesn't behave as it should
0: the other interesting dimension to your opposition to this plan is this argument that junior pilots just won't get their air miles there's not enough <laughs> seats in the plane to accommodate uh, the, the the pilots of tomorrow is that right
1: A hundred percent. I mean, I'm actually in the process of doing my upgrade training to become a captain. Now, I've been in the company for 20 years. It's just for a variety of reasons, just the way that we all move up the chain, it's sort of indicative of um, basically expansion or contraction. And obviously, we've had a bad couple of years recently with COVID. But what it means is I'm coming to the control seat having spent nearly 13,000 hours um, basically sitting next to other captains, learning from them, seeing experiences, um, and basically that makes me now ready to be a captain. Now, often in certain airlines, you become that more quickly depending on the the size and and the uh, prosperity of the airline. But at the end of the day, you're right. Like, we learn from our colleagues and we see things. So the notion of just being thrown into an aircraft, Um, And not having a pathway, as you talked about before, pathways to be able to learn from other pilots is actually vital. And this is the thing. It's not just the notion that the technology is the issue. And there are so many other issues associated with this, which makes it a much more complex issue and one that we just can't see any airline rushing into.
0: Mark Hoffmeyer is the Vice President of the Australian and International Pilots Association. Appreciate your time tonight, Mark. Thank you.
1: Any time, Thanks, Andy.
0: Yeah, lots of people on the text line texting in your thoughts on this proposal. Uh, this one really sums it up, though. On one pilot-only flights, Australia has a good safety record because risks are well managed. Yes, flights are expensive. Many planes are on autopilot except for takeoff and landing. But we don't know what medical conditions might have been overlooked in each pilot's medical that approves them as healthy and fit for commercial flights. So let's stay with two pilots, please. Yeah, I think I agree.